Welcome back. Episode eight, part deuce from persecuting to persecuted. Um, Timothy heard of Paul because Paul healed the lame man on his first missionary journey. Right. Paul says, you're the guy I want. You see this kind of new arc in, in Paul's life. He had Barnabas that was mentoring him. They changed roles. Right. Paul became the leader. And now what he's, what he's decided is, I need someone for me to mentor too. Mm-hmm. So Silas travels with him a lot. I think he's his right-hand man. But what you see is that he really he invests time in Timothy. So right. he spends time mentoring Timothy. So then on it, while they're on this second missionary trip, like you said, they're going back around and they're telling all the Gentiles that you don't have to be circumcised, right? So they're addressing that during this second missionary trip. One of the things that I read about him, he prefers Paul. Why would he prefer the Greek name? So he can relate to them. Right. That, it's, it's that connection. I'm a Greek name. It's that connection. I'm Paul. <laughs> It's that connection. And you see throughout his life, he does things to try to keep keep it in. So before they leave Tarsus, he circumcises Timothy. He has this conversation with Peter, and they establish that it's not necessary. So why, right. does, he, why does he do it? He does it because it's, it eliminates questions later. Yeah, for Timothy he, when he's in his preaching time. He says exclusively, I'm going to do it because of some of the Jews. Right. Some of it, I, I still go back to Paul's mad, and and it, and that might just be because that's me. That's what that's my go to. That's my crutch. I'm the one that that I just get angry and I get irritated. But I think that that's where Paul's at because that's how I can see it. So if I'm writing Paul and the Chosen, I'm going to write him as this dude that's got anger issues. I can't wait to meet Paul. And in, maybe in the Chosen, and maybe he's not <laughs> fighting anger issues all the time. But when he slips, that's where he slips, which is easy for me because that's that's what I do. But he's he's irritated, and he tells Timothy, he goes, look, man, these guys are jerks. Let me just solve the problem for you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to circumcise you, and then there's never going to be a question. No questions asked at this point. Right. It's irritating. But we'll get into we'll get into Timothy later. So we'll talk more about more Hopefully about he didn't it. have to drop his drawers. I don't know how she'd prove it. I don't know how she'd cut Oh. Integrity. Oh. I was I was like no. <laughs> I was like, no, wait, I'm they saying, had to to cut it. No, like when you go places, <laughs> you know. So we have Paul, Timothy, and Silas on Tarsus, and they're they're getting ready to leave. The plan is to go to Asia Minor because they're going to follow that same trajectory of of the first missionary journey. Instead of preaching to Jews, they're going to preach to Gentiles. The night before they're getting ready to leave, Paul has this vision. There's a man in Macedonia pleading for his help. Hmm. That changes their course. That's where they're going. They go through Macedonia or go to Macedonia. Uh, so they spend some time in Macedonia. They go to Philippi. Paul casts this demon out of this soothsayer, which is a fortune teller. Right. Um, it's a young girl, and so she has a demon that's giving fortunes for her. Right. right. Paul casts it out. And the owners get pissed. <laughs> the owners are livid. <laughs> They're like, dude, what? Get out of here! <laughs> you know how much money we made with this? Stop. Why? They get Paul thrown in jail. Paul, this is, And you hear about this. Paul and Silas are thrown in jail. Mm-hmm. They start praising the Lord. Earthquake breaks all the hinges on the, on the jail. No one leaves. And so... <laughs> So the story, yeah, the story is there. The, the jailer's suicidal now. Right. Because he's going to. Because he's, yeah. I may as well kill myself because they're going to kill me. Because all of these people everybody's are Everybody's gone. And Paul steps up being Paul and says, whoa, 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 whoa. We're still here. We're not leaving. <laughs> We're good. We're just hanging out with We're you. We're good. Now, and I don't, I don't understand this. Mm-mm. This is not. There's no backstory to why they stayed. Th- this is why I'm Blake and Paul's Paul. <laughs> right. Like, we have this correlation of an anger thing, right? That's where it stops. Because me, I'd have been like, God I'm provided. Gone. I got a way out. Deuces. <laughs> I'm out. But Paul doesn't do that. Paul says, we're going to stay here. Yeah. And so what does that do? That impacts the jailer's life. And then the jailer 
wants to know about Jesus. J- the jailer becomes a Christian. The jailer's whole family becomes a Christian. And because of the jailer's impact, the magistrates say, we need to let these people go. Right. But here's another key point in Paul. And we talked about this in the Barnabas episode. Paul has a desire to be in the limelight. He needs publicity. Mm-hmm. Yep. This is a good thing in this situation because the the magistrates say, let these people out of here and get them out now. Make it quiet. Get rid of them. Mm-hmm. Paul says, uh-uh. No. 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 You publicly threw us in jail. You made a big show of it. They're going to have to come down here, and they're going to have to do it in the same way that they put us in here. And so he makes the magistrates come down and make a big public showing saying, we're releasing you. You're good to go because it brings glory to God. Right. So, And then he stayed there. Like three, it says three Sabbaths he stood and preached in the synagogues there during that time period right after that. Yeah. Yeah. Because he said, staying. Yeah. You threw me in jail for this. <laughs> I own you guys. And now the magistrates <laughs> love me. Right. So he gets that public acknowledgement. Um, once they spend a few weeks there, they head off to Corinth. There they meet up with Priscilla and Aquila. They're there for like a year and a half. Yeah, they spend quite a bit know? of time in Corinth. Just a- each one of the places they go, they just stay. They're yeah. there for years. I mean, well, there's a this lot. year and a half has gone by fast, but I mean. Right. <laughs> but you have to think, though, how many mission trips have you been on? One for okay. 10 days or seven days. And how busy were you in those seven days? Uh, we were pretty busy. Right. Right. So you, you go around, there's some travel time, and, then, right. and you get half a day that you can do some shopping and touristy yep. stuff, right? We went. We were in Indonesia for 12 or 13 days, my wife and I's only mission trip together. And it's kind of the same concept. You're you're really busy yeah. almost the entire time. Um, you get half a day, maybe a day. We got a, we got a full day when we were in Indonesia mm. that we got to hang out on the beach, and um, we went snorkeling. And don't don't read into that. We didn't go to a resort and go snorkeling. We rented a snorkel from a dude in a hut on a beach, and we cut the crap out of our feet walking out because uh, it was not it was not it was res- worth it though. Uh, I loved it. Yeah, everybody else hated it. Mm. Jen and I liked it, but should have had swim shoes. I had flip flops. Well, that that would have worked. It they didn't. They oh, floated. This oh, so they didn't want to stay on. But the rocks were sharp. It was it was not it was not like a snorkeling trip. Mm-hmm. But we still you still get that relaxation time. We went in this we bought some souvenirs and stuff. So but but still, other than that, you're busy the entire time. You're either traveling, working, or, or sleeping. sleeping. Yeah. And most of the time that traveling and sleeping blur together. So mm-hmm. hopefully the tra- the working and the sleeping don't blur together. But either way, so that's what that's where you're at. But you've got to remember though that you've got Paul going to these places that there's a little bit of the gospel that's been spread. Mm-hmm. But this is the first time it's ever been preached to Gentiles. Right. So he's going around, and he's preaching to everyone that's not Jewish. There's a lot of work to be done. So, yeah, he's going. he stays in Corinth for, for a year, two years maybe, but it's constant work. And one of the things that we talked about with Barnabas is that he and Paul didn't want to take money from the church. They paid their own way. The connection between Paul and Priscilla and Aquila is they were all leather workers. They all mm-hmm. made tents. So they sit in and make tents, which I think is a great correlation because Paul was named after Saul. Saul served a God that lived in a tent. So there you go. That's a connected it nice right little, there. Nice little nugget there. So th- that's all you get out of this long episode. I apologize. Um, <laughs> they hang out with Priscilla and Aquila. I think they're touted as the first power couple in the Bible. So okay. they, they serve God together. They work together. They uh, awesome. Uh, Paul takes them from there to Ephesus, 
and plants them. So not only now have you seen have we seen this arc of Paul where he's mentored, he becomes the mentor, he's the leader of the church, he teaches us how to go on mission trips. Now he teaches us how to plant churches. Right. Another milestone in Paul's life that sets us up for for the later church. Mm. Before they leave for Ephesus though, Paul shaves his head because of a vow that he had made earlier. Right. Did some diving into this and I'm not sure couldn't find a definite answer. The general consensus is he either began or ended a Nazarite vow. Uh, without going into a ton of detail on Nazarite vows, you're talking Samson took a Nazarite vow. Uh, no cutting the hair, no drinking alcohol, nothing from the vine. So grapes, raisins, wine, all out. And it's it's a proof of your devotion to God. So this kind of goes back into that parallel with Timothy's circumcision, I think. There's a lot of conflict because Paul says we need to preach to the Gentiles and circumcision happens in the heart, not in the reproductive organs. Right. There's a lot of question as to whether or not he has forsaken Moses. Mm. And so I think this is one of those things that really reverts you back to, no, he hasn't turned his back on the Old Testament. He's just walking in grace in the New Testament. Right. So it's kind of a weird thing. And so I said that that happened before they went to Ephesus, but I'm wrong. It it happened after Ephesus. We don't get a ton of information of what happened between the second and third missionary journey or what we know from Acts as the second and third missionary journey. Right. At some point, most scholars believe Paul made a journey to Spain, to Spain, yeah. which would mean there were actually four missionary journeys. We both recorded. We both looked and we didn't <laughs> find any hard evidence. I, some, some mentions. Most of the sources that I found for this come from Catholicism. I, I can't confirm or deny whether he did or not. I, I wouldn't mean, be just, surprised. Right. And like we were talking, I mean, there was, he accounts for all three of the other ones, but right. he doesn't write it into it. But were those letters lost or right. were they, you know, yeah, and that's, did something th- else happened that's, along the way? Did they get wet from the shipwrecks? I mean, right. what? Yeah. If, uh, how many shipwrecks was he in? Four? Yeah. Yeah. So you've got multiple assassination attempts, I think six between the mm-hmm. first and third yep. missionary journeys. So a lot of stuff going on that we we did definitely didn't cover. So maybe he went to Spain during this time. We don't really know. What's documented that we do know of is he's in Turkey, where Tarsus is at. Um, He's in Jerusalem. He's Mm -hmm. in Greece. He's in Rome. I mean, he's all around the Mediterranean Sea. He's about 10,000 miles during that time period. So, um, and that's without accounting for Spain. (laughs) Jeez. So... A lot of work done, a lot of travel. We Not a ton of information between second and third, though. Then we do get into that third missionary journey where we hear a lot of... The miracles that he the was The miracles, a lot of different so. miracles that happen. So not only now have we seen him basically set up the church, but now uh, performing miracles in Jesus' name as well. So one of the things that he does, he starts seeing people, and this is a, a shout-out to our Pentecostal friends. Uh, he starts seeing people that are healed from hankering Handkerchiefs and aprons that he's right. worn or he's touched. Pretty common his thing. Anoint, his anointing was going wherever he went without right. him being there. Right. So <laughs> his anointing is is actually being passed on to objects. Right. Um, which is still, you know, it, it feeds into the healed by faith. It does. We, you don't see that a ton. I Maybe to, if we went to a Pentecostal church, we I went, might see it. I went to a church in college that the pastor still used a handkerchief. and mm-hmm. I was raised in a church like that. He didn't do the the Pentecostal breathing technique that most larger Pentecostal churches are known for. <laughs> but he still got fired up. He's still sweaty. He used a handkerchief. Passed that handkerchief off, handkerchief off at the end of the service. Mm-hmm. I, for a long time, I drove with a handkerchief tied to the rearview mirror of my Jeep. Nice. So, so it's 
still happens, it's just not as common in different denominations. Right. But um, so for our Pentecostal friends out there, there you that's, go. That's where you get that. What he else? Res- did he, do? he resurrected a young man uh, that while Paul was speaking, he f- goes to sleep and falls out of a window, and uh, he brings him back to life. He was bit by a, a venomous snake, and nothing happened. Right. So that would have been it's after a, that third missionary trip. But. Yeah. So this was on a, this was in one of the shipwrecks. I remember reading about this. Second, it's another throwback to our Pentecostal friends. I've never been to a snake handling church. I will I, say that. No, have, nor have I. I, know I don't people, want to go really. I know people that have. Yeah. I grew up close to, to their own. I grew up close to Tennessee. So uh-huh. that was, that was during a shipwreck. Um, and I know that because the Islanders, the native Islanders, thought that he was a murderer because why else would you, one, be shipwrecked and then, two, get bit by a viper? But then open that window to testify to him when he shook the viper off and had no ill effect. Exactly. Um, it also mentioned that he healed somebody of dysentery. Correct. Uh, somewhere in there. Probably yeah. not at the same time. Acts 28.8. Yeah, so... Shortly after that. Um, one of the other things he does while he's on a third missionary journey, he stops in Ephesus, spends three years with Priscilla and Aquila. Uh, at this point, Tim, he's got Timothy in Ephesus too, but we'll talk about that next week. Probably around 57 AD at this point, which would put Paul... Almost 60. 60. Yeah, 60. He gets to Jerusalem. Uh, James comes out and says, Hey, man got a plot against you they don't they think you've forsaken the law of moses think you've turned your back on the law right so paul says i'm gonna do a purification he goes through a seven-day purification process to prove himself right jewish leaders now can't say well you're forsaking the law of moses they try to pin him for defiling the temple by bringing gentiles in see kind of some parallels here with jesus where they're saying you're making too much noise here we gotta do something the jewish leaders start harassing him uh, they make this big uproar. Romans come in, they chain him up, they take him to the barracks. Yeah. He's put in chains by the Romans because of the upheaval, riots, basically. Mm-hmm. They take him into the Roman barracks in chains, and they're talking to him. He says, hey, this is all a misunderstanding because he's thinking, I'm the leader of the church. I can talk to him. Right. So he comes out, and they bring him out, and he starts he starts to try to preach to him again. A little bit of this might be him being proud. Where um, would he get that from? Yeah, I don't I don't know. Um, but I, I think part of it, though, is him still wanting to, to lead. I don't think that there's anything anything in there for us to believe that he's not he's not still acting under his calling. Yeah. So I don't I don't know that it, that it's just him him being boastful that thinking that he can talk his way out of it. But quickly quickly turns around doesn't doesn't work out that way. Um. So the Roman soldiers bring him back in. He's ordered to be flogged, and at this time he says, "Sorry, dude, you can't. Sorry. flog. I'm a I'm a Roman. You can't flog me. Claim it. Yeah. So <laughs> claim my uh my heritage at yeah. this point. <laughs> and so it's kind of funny when you watch Paul through his entire life because. He plays both sides of that fence. He does. Um, he's. I'm a Jew. Mm-hmm. I'm circumcised. I'm a Roman. I'm a Jew. Yep. I'm a yep. Roman. I'm a Gen. You know, he never says he's a Gentile, but by being a Roman, he have that connection to Gentiles. Exactly. Um, no. not, it's not wrong. It's not wrong. Um, it's it's just using your background, using, using your, your heritage to so, to help you navigate life. So then he he's not flogged. Uh, he's saved by his citizenship. They send him before the Jewish council. Jewish council gets violent. They want to murder him. He gets chained up again and brought mm-hmm. back into the barracks. Forty Jews get together, and they say, we're going to fast until he's dead. I don't think that they lived that vow out because <laughs> Paul's sister steps in and um, lets the Roman guard know what's going on. So she tells them how to thwart it. They have him set up to move him to Caesarea. They have a horse ready for him. So when this mob jumps out and tries to catch him, they throw him on a horse. He goes to Caesarea to see Felix. 
the governor. Ananias comes in and gives this fiery speech to Felix. Felix says, he basically parallel with Pilate says, I'm not touching this one. Nope. So he looks at he looks at the Romans and he says, or looks at the Roman soldiers and says, two years. Put him two years in jail, but give him freedom. Pretty loose. I think this is Felix saying, I don't think he did anything wrong, so put, but, put him in prison to shut them up. Right. But I don't care if he stays there. Right. Let him have some liberty. Yeah. But Paul's already, he's already demonstrated that he's not going to leave somewhere until God tells him to. So mm-hmm. he's in prison. He's going to stay in prison. He's going to stay there. So He doesn't care. So he's fine in prison. What Felix has actually done here is he puts him in prison until Felix isn't the governor anymore. Right. So Portius Festus, two years later, comes in. He's the new governor. He doesn't really care. Right. There's there's no grace there. Because he doesn't even know. I mean, he knows yeah. him, but he does, it's not his concern at this point yeah. he at all. He doesn't care. So right. he says, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna do what the Jewish High Council wants. We're gonna let him let him go back to Jerusalem for trial. Basically, we're gonna let him go to Jerusalem and they're gonna kill him. Right. And so Paul once again says, "Nope, nope. Uh, still a Roman. I appeal to Caesar. Yep. <laughs> I want my Roman right to have Caesar look at my case." Acts twenty five ten to twelve. Yeah. So his citizenship there on Earth saves him. Which is a is a really neat circle because Paul's entire life he's taught you have a choice mm-hmm. to be a citizen of heaven, right? Regardless of whether you're Jew or, Gent- Jew or Gentile, you have that choice that you can choose if you want to be a citizen or not. And he's now saved by something that was not a choice, right? He he was he didn't graced yeah, with it. It was just born that way. Um, a lot of people that became Roman citizens had to serve in the military for 25 years to earn it or had to do a lot of different things. There were yep. ways to become Roman citizens if you weren't born into it. Paul was born into it. Right. So it's it's a neat kind of loop back to how you can kind of compare, you know, God loves us and gives us the option to choose as opposed to just being lucky enough to be born into it. Yeah. Which is a big change from Old Testament to New Testament. Completely. A lot of stuff there to yeah. unpack. So once again, drinking from water hose today. So at this point, he decides that he wants to appeal to Caesar. So they put him on a ship. Um, Send him to Rome. From here, he's got to go to Rome. At this time, Caesar, the emperor, is Nero, who's... Not wow. a good man. Wow, out there. <laughs> there's there's a lot of... Uh, if you haven't heard of Nero, it's it's interesting reading. One of the main beliefs of Nero for the longest time was that when Rome burned, Nero watched from a rooftop playing a fiddle and just didn't care. I think one of the more commonly believed things now is that he had a mental health issue. Don't quote me on this, but I think he was thrown into... He, like His mom arranged for him to become emperor at like a crazy young age, like seven. Wow. And so not only do you have some possibly mental instability at least, right. but then... You have the stress and complication of running the world's largest <laughs> empire at age seven. Roman Empire. Um, and so one of the other things that I read about Nero is that they they believe he was an introvert. Being an emperor at seven and being introverted, you're forced to be in front of people all the time. And so the playing the fiddle thing, yeah. I don't I don't think that it was actually that he was like mad and playing the fiddle. I think it was that he just wanted to escape because all of you introverts out there know if you don't pull yourself away to recharge and you get completely drained, it's drained, it's like losing your mind. Um, Glad I'm not an introvert. Well, there um, you go. But I still do. I have to take quiet time because I, I do still have introverted qualities. But enough on Nero. The, the big takeaway from Nero is that he was not... Uh, Christian sympathizer. Paul knows, even though he's appealing to Caesar, that he's going to go see Nero. Mm-hmm. He knows that Nero's going to kill him. Yeah. He's using his citizenship 
to avoid being killed right now because he's still got stuff to do. Right. So, and the awesome thing about that, I mean, while he's on house arrest, he's chained to a, a, a jailer, a prison guard, and he's still preaching. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's still he's still spreading the word while he's chained up with some dude, you know. Well, even before that, though, God's not done with him. That's He yeah. gets shipwrecked on Malta for and for an unknown time. So right. in his travel, God says, well, you're not going to Rome yet. Yeah. I, I need you to talk to these guys on this island, which just I have more for you. Leads back into that. <laughs> Regardless of your circumstances, yeah. God's going to use you if you put yourself in a position that you can. So it's the shipwreck, then he gets, he finally does get into Rome. When he gets into Rome, it's post Great Fire Rome. So like two thirds of Rome's destroyed by the fire. But he gets in, he's put on house arrest. He's on house arrest for two years. Yeah. After two years, he finally gets to see Nero, and Nero cuts his head off. Right. Before he's martyred, you see something we'll talk about in more depth next week, but Ephesians 9 says he calls Timothy in for his last farewell. Mm-hmm. So he calls Timothy, who in Acts is like his own son. Mm-hmm. Um, he's adopted him like right. his own son. When he takes him under his wing, uh, he calls his mentor in and he says, oh, this is the last time I'm going to see you. I know yeah. that I'm going to die. As soon as I see Nero, I'm going to die. At that point, then he kind of passes the baton and says, okay, I'm outski. Yeah. But, but like you said, this whole two years, he's, he's still preaching. He's still preaching. He's writing letters. Imagine the guy chained to him. I mean, I know they switched him out every 12 right. hours or whatever it is, but I mean. If not complete teachings, definitely one of the biggest men teachings that we mm-hmm. hear nowadays happens in this house arrest. Right. Armor of God. Right. Looking at this Roman, and he's saying, hey, God's revealing himself. Right. Through this unfortunate circumstance. Throughout Paul's life, he does he does a ton of stuff, but where we started at today, you see him really sacrifice himself for service. Pretty clear he's, he's kind of proud. A lot of times you see him kind of table that because it makes it easier for his service. So takes that Nazarite vow. Mm-hmm. He circumcises Timothy. Uh, he calls John Mark back later, even though he, you know, he was offended by him. You know, was questioned his loyalty. I guess that's the more correct thing to say. Right. But all of these things, you see that he sacrifices a piece of himself in servitude. He does the Nazarite vow because it proves to the Jews around that he is still Jewish. He still cares about God's law. He's not turned his back on it. Timothy, the same thing. Bringing John Mark back in kind of buries right. the, buries that hatchet. And then it, at the very end, when he first gets back to Jerusalem, he goes through that seven-day purification thing to prove. Yeah. Did he did he have to go through a purification? No. Absolutely he not. He didn't. He chose that. His heart's been circumcised. Right. Exactly. So that's solely for everyone else. And so you see Paul set this example for us that we have to do things that we sometimes don't want to do and we don't have to do, but it's just going to make it easier for other people to listen to us. Right, exactly. Um, and that's a huge thing. I think that's a big leadership <clears throat> thing, um, but it's definitely a big Christian thing. The other thing that we see with that is... Faithfulness regardless of your circumstances. Yeah. He you got bit by a snake. <laughs> I mean, that's the... Keeps going. Yeah, you just... Ah, shake it ah, off. Whatever. Whatever. Hey, uh, you got salt to put on this yeah. or anything? No, just shake it off in the fire. I'm not worried about it. He shipwrecked four times. Yeah, I mean, I've I haven't been shipwrecked. I don't I don't, I don't sail. have a plan to be. I don't sail a lot. <laughs> I can only imagine how bad shipwrecks would be. Paul never loses faith. He he goes through four shipwrecks as at least seven assassination attempts. You're right. Yeah. Never never has his faith shaken. Go is sentenced to death. He knows when he's going to Rome. He's sentenced to death. Nero's right. going to kill him. He knows it. There's no questions. He still preaches. And that's the thing is that you know you have to you have to show faithfulness be, beyond your circumstances. Right. Regardless of what's happening, you have you have to remain steadfast. You have to remain faithful. All of this other stuff is stuff that good leaders would do. It would fall or not all of this stuff, but a lot of this stuff it would fall with a good leader. But the fact that there's so many situations where Paul's livelihood and life has been at risk, you know, it'd, it'd be really 
easy to just say, dude, this was a lot better. I'm done. This was a lot better when I was killing Christians. <laughs> I want to give up. Let's go. <laughs> you know? Let's change our course here. Right. So, no, and he doesn't. No. You, Very you, thankful he doesn't. I mean, we're worried. He stays the course. He runs the race. As, as men today, we have to make sure that we do what we need to do and stay true. Thanks for joining us today on Salt and Rock. If you liked what you heard, feel free to reach out to us at saltplusrock at gmail.com. That's all letters, S-A-L-T-P-L-U-S-R-O-C-K at gmail.com. If you'd like to become a contributor to Salt Plus Rock, you can find us on buymeacoffee.com slash saltplusrock. Once again, all letters, S-A-L-T-P-L-U-S-R-O-C-K, where you can give a contribution as small as $5. Hey, every little bit helps. 